0: This season, Tenyela speaks to endometriosis and chronic illness patients, those who are going through or have gone through the pain and the diagnosis of endometriosis and are navigating this extremely common but poorly understood condition. Over the last few years, an army of patients have arisen. They are speaking out, fighting back, doing their own research and raising awareness of endometriosis. Let's listen to these brave warriors who have decided that enough is enough and who will stop at
1: nothing to reclaim their health. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Not Defined by Endo. Today's episode is with lovely Kaylee Lee and Betsy Austin. Kaylee and Betsy host the Notchamama Mama podcast, where they talk about endometriosis, adenomyosis infertility and childlessness in their 30s i particularly love how they talk about being child free and not childless and the very important message that not having a child does not make you less they regularly share insights into their daily lives with chronic illnesses and their pursuits to redefine worth and enjoyment of their kid-free lives they are also on instagram at not pod all the information can be found in the show notes so join me today and let's listen to Kaylee and Betty's stories we welcome go. welcome <laughs> hello welcome to the show Betsy
2: thank you thank <laughs> you for having us <laughs>
1: i'm so excited to speak to you girls honestly i love your i think i'll say to you before that i love I just love the way you guys talk on the show i think i really like listening to um you know co-hosts because i like the dynamic and the way you bounce off each other
2: well we oh, really yeah. appreciate that um <laughs> we have a lot of fun and sometimes it's a little bit of a train wreck but <laughs> i edit it out it's okay yeah <laughs> hayley takes care of everything we're uh, best,
0: our right? yang a mm-hmm. lot we we complement each other Where one is strong in one area the other one
1: oh, is really good, good at
0: jumping in so that's I'm, I'm lucky to have her
1: I love I'm what saying. you're doing and I love the name of the podcast as well I actually love the name of the podcast and I love the um your Instagram name as well journey to fix my lady Parts. <laughs>
0: I appreciate <All> right. that <laughs> so when like it started you. um Betsy was my uterus life too, and I think the comedic side of our Instagram names is kind of what drawn me to her because I'm like, okay, she gets it. Like, yeah. we're making the best of what we're at.
1: Yeah, which is actually one of the things I was going to ask. Like, how did you guys meet each other? What's the story there?
2: B, you want to go? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> no. So, um... <laughs> My Instagram, yeah, was originally my uterusless life, and I had started it with the intention of connecting with other people who had hysterectomies at a young age. Mm. That was pretty much like my biggest intention. I was a couple months out from my hysterectomy, and I, um, I was like, I'm sure there are other young people out there. So how do I find them? And then um, I think I mentioned, I'm sure I mentioned endo and like um, mm-hmm. that journey, and. Randomly, I think Kaylee had started following me, and then I, I threw out a question um, before my husband's birthday. Like he's really into craft beer, and I was like, "Hey, is anyone willing to send me some beer?" And um, it's illegal, so don't do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was going to say, (laughs) Kaylee
2: sent me some barbecue sauce. Oh wow. (laughs) and be um,
0: <laughs> we became friends pretty quick we did we
2: became very quick friends she's into craft beer I'm into craft beer so it was like just we had a really quick instant connection um am I missing anything
0: uh I guess it would be good to notice is we've ever actually never met in person no we oh, have wow, a trip really? planned but this is all virtual friendship at this point I mean I pretty much talked to her just as much as I talked to my family oh directly, wow. yeah
1: that's actually so amazing is- it's crazy mm-hmm. what technology has done for us, especially, you know, with COVID and everything that we know is now mm-hmm. possible. I just right. imagine how it would have been like, let's say five, even five years ago. Like it's crazy yeah. the things that we can now do, like have friends from across the world, like speak to you guys. Yeah. Like yeah. It is
2: incredible. It is. I, yeah. And the friendships I
1: feel are very genuine because you're actually making like, you know, friendship, you know, you know, two way and you're making an effort. um, Mm -hmm. So for it to be working, you guys are doing something right. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say also, like, there's something very transparent about when you're sharing your story on the internet with strangers, because you're probably a lot more open. I know I am a lot more open um, than I am with a lot of the people in my very close circle Definitely. because I'm like these people don't know me they're not gonna judge me like yeah uh, a lot of them are going through the same thing so I feel like there's a lot more like um genuine friendship that yep. can grow from that yeah
1: I agree
0: gonna I say the same thing we had a baseline understanding even though our experiences are different we mm-hmm. we understand when each other talk and so right away you know our past is similar enough we understand each other's pain and we're both are going towards this kid free kidless life mm. and so our, our lives correlate and adapt on top of it she's a really cool person and we have a lot of fit interests so mm. then i just i dm'd her one day and i said hey girl i want to start a podcast and i want you to be a part of it and she crazily said yes to me and here we are with not your mama
1: oh amazing <laughs> amazing so who came I up to your dms b <laughs> you
0: oh my goodness in a
2: DM's. i don't know we legit had a list of like 15 names, like yeah. 30 and thriving. And, um, I don't, I'm sure there's a whole list somewhere so and I do not know how it came to be Nachimama.
0: I uh, So it's funny. I think the way, when we created the podcast, we concept to reality to first episode was actually relatively quick. And, um, I think it showed me really quickly that we were going to work together because, we just started cramming out names and thinking of concepts and things like that. I mean, I think we had 60 or 70 episode topics down before we ever even thought about how we were recording. Wow. And I do, I do remember we had something similar to not your mama and Betsy had thrown it out there and we just started kind of word playing on it because at first we really thought it was going to be endo and adeno based, Mm -hmm. And then we realized we were much more than just our chronic illnesses. And so I don't know when we found it, it was just like, this, this seems right for our personalities. Let's deep dive to make sure it's not taken and run.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like a, like a funny, kitschy name. And, um, I think that it definitely fits who we are as people for sure. Yeah, definitely.
1: So for everyone listening, um, Not Your Mama podcast is um, done by two lovely ladies, Betsy (laughs) and Kaylee. And it's all about endometriosis, adenomyosis and who they are outside of infertility. So Mm -hmm. trigger warning, um, if you feel like this is a bit too much for you, feel free to skip this episode, but come join us on this
2: conversation. And
1: I know it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yes, it yes. will be. And thank you again for having us. We really appreciate you and what you're doing.
1: Thank you so sure. much. So let me start with Betsy. Um, tell me about your journey from, you know, whenever you want to from birth, if you want sure. to. From birth. Um, but,
0: <laughs> but from well, I, I grace birth. this earth. Yeah, that's where she's <laughs> going to start. I, came
2: I, was born. <laughs> I was born on March 12th. Um, yeah, I am. The
1: diagnosis.
2: Yes, I am 33. I am very shortly going to be 34, actually like three weeks. And my endo journey started um, from my first period. I think I started my period around like 11, 12 years old. I had really, really terrible periods from the start, like very, um, very painful, very heavy bleeding, but short term. So it wasn't like I had like these extensive periods. So it would be like three days, but it'd be like the worst three days of my entire month. Um, So basically the same deal from the start of me going to the um, gynecologist, I was like, Hey, I have really bad periods. Like I'm fairly certain it's not normal. And they're like, Oh no, it's normal. Like bad periods are normal. So fast forward a few years. I've mean, just obviously I just had pain with my period for a while and then um, in my early twenties, we started to ha- try and have a baby. So that was not successful. <laughs> the very short version is that was not successful. Um, but we were able to see a reproductive endocrinologist pretty quickly. The they wanted to, I did six rounds of Clomid before deciding that um, it made me a crazy person. Like very genuinely, it made me a psychopath. So <laughs> Yeah. Um. So somewhere in there, I started to have like daily pelvic pain. I was having like very regular cysts burst. I was, I mean, having to use my heating pad daily, like I had one at work, I had one at home just because I was in so much pain all of the time. I was bleeding probably uh, definitely more than half of the month, like very, very regularly. I probably had like maybe seven days where I wasn't bleeding mm-hmm. in some form. So it was like, just continuous, really painful. So finally my husband's like, this is not normal. Like you to be in very daily pain, completely not normal. You need to go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor in 2019 and I was like, Hey, I'm having like a ton of pain. And, um, I had really painful sex at that time too, like really, really painful. And so they're like, okay, we'll do a quick Uh, We'll do an internal ultrasound. So they did an internal ultrasound uh, and found a couple cysts. Uh, I will say that the lady who did my ultrasound at that time was terrible, like really bad, spent 20 seconds in there. And I was like, I think I have a cyst on my left ovary. And she's like, how do you know you have a cyst? And I was like, well, I, I don't. Or she's like, how do you know where your ovary is? Like, well, I have a general idea and I'm fairly certain that's where it's at. So she took some quick pictures, very quick, like fastest ultrasound of my life. And, um, I went and talked to my doctor and he's like, oh yeah, I I think you just have some cysts. They'll probably go away. But if you want me to melt, he said, if you want me to melon ball them, um, I can go in and surgically do that. And I was like, well, that sounds terrible. Like that sounds not like a fun way to do that. So I was like, okay, if you think they're going to go away, I'm just going to let it go. Continue on. So, the through the next year, I've just progressively got worse and worse. Like, just constant pain. Um, I like, I really like working out. I, it was affecting my workouts. It was affecting my daily life. Um, so I went back and I was like, I I am very pa- like passive. Like I just want peace for everyone. Like, um, but I was like, this I'm gonna fight for myself. Like this is, this has to be done. So. I went in and I'm like, listen, I'm having so much pain. And he's like, just when you're having sex, right? I'm like, well, first of all, even if it's just when I'm having sex, like that should not be happening. But <laughs> yeah, but I was like, no, literally all of the time. So he's like, okay, let's do another internal ultrasound. And um, we're going to test you for interstitial cystitis. So um, basically, if you don't know what that is, it's called pain- painful bladder syndrome, because I also have like a lot of pain when I urinate, my bladder feels very full all of the time. It's just like, I can pee at any point. I <laughs> So they did another internal ultrasound. And at this point I had just the best ultrasound tech of my life. I'm pretty sure she saved my life. She took her time. She took pictures of every inch of my inside very, very detailed, took maybe hundreds of pictures, like honestly. And so obviously I was, I mean, my interstitial cystitis was fine. Like I passed that test and, but my internal ultrasound, they saw that both of my tubes were enlarged and filled with fluid and blocked, which was called salpingitis. So my doctor is like, basically the only way you're ever going to be Uh, free of pain is for us to remove both of your tubes. And I said, okay, um, if we do that, I'm still going to be able to have kids, right? Like that seems important to me. And he's like, yeah, you know, it should not be a problem. Like you'll have to do IVF if you choose to. I will also preface this by saying we had come to terms like a couple years prior that we were okay with not having children, but there's something about like still having your organs that Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, is this final? It's probably not final yet. So um, in August of 2020, I went in and I had planned to have a surgery to remove both of my fallopian tubes. Um, they were only able to access one of my tubes because the other one was literally cemented together with my other organs. So my ovary, my fallopian, my left ovary fallopian tube, bowel, ureter, and some major blood vessels were all attached to my, the side of my uterus. So at that time, they also determined that my uterus had um, adenomyosis. And so they only could take out one of my tubes at that time. So we had to schedule. He's like, listen, this is really bad. Actually, my husband had to tell me that more than likely I was gonna have to have a hysterectomy if I wanted to be free of any of this pain. So, we scheduled hysterectomy for November. So, that was August. November was my hysterectomy. And at that time, they also removed all of my organs on that side and uh, my adhesions and what endo he could. So, I did. I was pretty much pain free, like right immediately after the surgery, because they took out literally a crap ton of sorry, excuse me. I'm not <laughs> like all of my, uh, all of my junk, essentially all of my diseased organs, they took it out. And, um, I felt much better immediately. I probably had like six months of full pain relief. Like now I can feel, I have some endo coming back and definitely not anywhere where I was. Um, but that is the very brief story <laughs> of my journey from diagnosis. Thank you so much
1: for sharing, Betsy. I really appreciate you being very transparent and I appreciate how tough it can be to, you know, there are points where, as you're saying your story, you almost like the emotions, you know, come back when you remember you know how you felt when you're told that while well, your uterus because you've said before that they said of course you can still have a baby and then yeah. all of a sudden they're saying actually that's not possible so I'm really thankful that you you know you have the courage to share this and I'm really sorry that you have to experience this
2: yeah it's really um it's really interesting though how quickly you come to terms with it though because from the time that they said, Hey, if you're going to be, if you need to be, if you want to be pain-free, we're going to have to take out your uterus. And I'm like, immediately take it out because yeah. at that point, uh, my quality of life was worth more to me than becoming a mom. Yeah. And I, thankfully I had, like I said, come to terms with it, like a few years beforehand, like we were mm-hmm. going to be in a very comfortable spot. If we chose not to have children,
1: hmm. it
2: wasn't a choice that we had, I mean, intentionally made at that time now it is like now we live a very uh, fun child-free life I would say but it is a it's a crazy journey mm,
1: it is it is I have so many questions I'm trying to think which one should I ask next, <laughs> next. <laughs> um but I wanted to touch on something you mentioned and it's very important because one of the sonographers so the first sonographer you um that did your ultrasound was like how do you know where your ovaries are yeah. I think that's wrong in every sense of the word because we we are women it's our body and sometimes I feel like the medical professionals they first of all treat us like we should not know anything yeah. about our bodies and we should know it's mine like I right. know you've got the education and all of that but it's my body and I'm living in it so um I think one thing I would just want to mention and highlight here was that is that that was really wrong for her to mm-hmm. first of all assume Um, That you don't know what you're talking about because that's where, you know, the the doubting and, you know, the gaslighting comes in. Um, And secondly, we should, everyone listening should actually work hard to understand and know your body. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid to say, I think this is how I feel. If I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. then prove me wrong. Right. But um, yeah, you don't have to doubt me first thing and think I don't know what I'm talking about. So that was
2: really something I wanted to mention. No, it is very frustrating too, because you're like, well, maybe it's not like, and it, it does, it immediately makes you doubt yourself and you're like, well, what other organs are down there that it could be? And also why is, why is your initial reaction? Like, oh, how do you know that? Well, <laughs> I don't, that's why I'm here for yeah. you to prove to me one way or the other, whether I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man, Kaylee. (laughs) That was like a super fast information dump on you. (laughs) Yes, I'm like, oh, God. Well, thank you. we, We have a lot. We have so much to talk about,
1: but let's talk about, let's, let's go to Kaylee. Let Kaylee share her story and then I'll ask more questions and then anyone can answer.
0: Yeah. So I will start with saying Betsy is the sweetest, strongest woman I know. And every time she shares her story, I want to go back in history and like throw punch like six people. I'm not okay with it. Yeah. I, <laughs>
1: so
0: agree. I always enjoy when she talks. Uh, my story is similar and different. I, I don't have a lot of childhood memories at that time in my life. I know my periods were really bad, uh, flow-wise like really heavy. I had pain, but within a year and a half, I was on birth control in middle school, um, without really a discussion. My mom had a hysterectomy in her early thirties. She does not know if it was endometriosis or I don't know, but she had something, a lot of similar experiences to me. And when she visibly saw, I was sick, I was put on birth control without a, out of discussion. Honestly, without an exam, I walked into a doctor's office. Her and my doc, the OB at the time, talked, and I walked out for a prescription. The only question, the only thing that was talked to me was, "Are you sexually active?" And I was like, "No, I'm. I'm like 12 or 13. No." And he's like, "Okay, here's your birth control." Um, and then we left, and my mom looked at me and said, "Do not tell your dad. I don't want to explain to him why you're on birth control." So I never said a word. So, from the jump, I was on on the pill, and I do think it was a band aid that helped some of my symptoms. Um, I always had period bags with me. I always had issues with some sports. I I always, I know I was passing blood clots in high school, but I thought it was normal and just went on with life. I actually stayed on birth control until my early twenties. Um, I didn't have a pelvic exam until I was a senior in high school. So what, six years after starting birth control and, Then it was me as an 18-year-old by myself in a doctor's office, so I was just trying to get through it because I didn't know what a pap smear was going to be, and so I didn't voice any issues. Um, I also went to high school. During my high school years, I lived with my father, so we did not discuss anything. Going to college, just went with the same thing. Like I know I went to an OB a couple of times because I was having so many blood clots that I thought something was wrong. And they just told me it was normal. So I said, cool, I'll get bigger tampons. I'll get more pads. Like again, a girl doing it by herself. No one to call. And then in my early twenties, we had decided to try to have children. And the only kind of recognition I had is my mom growing up telling me that when it became time to try to have children, I would probably have issues. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, it was really hard for me. You'll probably have some female issues when you try to conceive. So I always had like this voice in the back of my head that says, it's going to be really, really hard for you to become a mom because whatever my mom had, but like no context with it. And unfortunately that kind of washed my story because from day one, all I focused on was becoming a mom. And like the things that my body was doing Mm. were like, (laughs) that could go to the back page. Like that's normal. That's not the issue here. The issue here is that I'm not a mom. So I, I ignored, I ignored blood clots. I ignored fevers. I ignored intense pain. I just lived on ibuprofen and kept it moving. Um, There's points where like, it was hard to go to work, but I just did because that's what you do. And we went to the point of birth control. I stopped and it was the discussion was like, we're not actively trying, but we're open to having children. My body's probably going to need some time. I've been on birth control my entire life. Like Let's let's just be prepared. And it never happened. We went from not trying to trying to tracking to all the things. And I it just was not successful. I started having some chemical pregnancies and I started having a lot of emotion (laughs) tied to those because every single time I had a chemical pregnancy and it failed, I realized I was broken my terms so something's wrong with me I'm broken I'm broken I started seeking medical help and of course only for infertility yeah. <laughs> because as long as I became a mom I didn't care and in 2016 um as I was starting the process for IDF I naturally conceived out of nowhere and I carried my baby for a term and unfortunately trigger warning I I, I miscarried um My kid would have been five actually next month. So it's taken me four years to be able to say that out loud, but I am super honored and grateful for the experience I did get to be her mom. Um, So I miscarried in 2017 and I spiraled really bad mentally. I was depressed. I didn't think I could talk about it. I already had this context of hating my body. So Now my body didn't let me be a mom. Um, And I'll, I'll leave the terminology to that because I was saying some really horrible things about my body that I just shut down and my body just freaked out. My endo was finally like, I have had enough. Um, I started bleeding like 60 days at a time. I became anemic because I was constantly bleeding, constantly having blood clots. I went through rounds of different types of birth control just to try to regulate myself. Nothing was working. And each month things were getting worse and I'd go through these mental spurts where I'm like, okay, something's really, really wrong. I need to go see a doctor. I need to fix something. And then I'd get PTSD or I'd be really upset. Um, My OB had a really bad habit of forgetting that I miscarried. And so every single time I'd go there and be like, hey, I have bled for 65 days. I feel like I'm going to pass out. They'd be like, okay, well, have you ever been pregnant? And then I'd ball and be like, yeah, remember? And so I just stopped going because I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to keep telling you that I can't be a mom. Whew. Um, yeah. And so I stopped. I I got on some birth control. That was I actually got switched to the NuvaRing with some honky-tonk conversation with my doctor about like, it'll make you feel better because your body's not digesting the pill. It's straight to the uterus. Got on the Nuba ring and it was like, okay-ish enough that I could start going. Like I wasn't missing work. I could do things. And um, then the pandemic happened. And I think the added stress and the moment to slow down and whatever else, my body just gave out. Um, I ended up pretty much being bedridden, which is it was kind of a blessing disguised that I was work from home because I just did my job from my bed. Um, but I got to the point that I was bleeding constantly. I was passing a uh, half dollar size blood clots constantly. I couldn't keep food down. My bowels hurt. I started having a lot of things like that when I was using the bathroom, which cliff notes, I've had IBS. I've had scopes. I've had all sorts of stuff, um, ulcers, diagnosed, things like that. It, w- it was endo, but misdiagnosis throughout my journey. Saw like 12 doctors during the pandemic, which is so difficult because I was on a pandemic wait list. Finally found a doctor that knew what endo was. Got transferred to a reproductive endocrinologist after that. During this whole conversation, I still was telling people that I would be bedridden for the rest of my life and figure out how to succeed if they could make me become a mom. So still in all of this, like my hope was still to somehow be the, have the opportunity to be a mom someday. Yeah. And fix my body long enough. that I could be a mom. I found a doctor that knows endo. He is horrible (laughs) bedside manner, but he knows endo. And there's very few of them here. And, uh, February of 2021, I had my laparoscopy and my ablation because he does not do excision. And I was to the point that I could barely make it 30 minutes across town in a car, let alone travel to a different state for surgery and had surgery. And then, um, this last year has been kind of crazy. I, I had surgery still with the hopes that I could become a mom. <clears throat> so a lot of our conversations were, Hey, when you're done, you'll do a medicated menopause. Hey, when you're done with that, you're going to go on a breast cancer medication. Um, cause I can't do Clomid because I've already miscarried. Hey, IVF doesn't look like an option for you for these reasons. And, um, so I was just trying to heal heal so I could have an opportunity right and I got back on birth control and I realized I feel horrible (laughs) and because I had surgery and I felt horrible and I know he didn't get it all he was just getting enough so I could be pregnant I started feeling sick and somewhere between my mourning which I had never mourned my daughter I'd never mourned a lot of things I had a pandemic there's a lot of emotional things going on yeah over the last year and a half I just kind of realized I want to feel good and I know I'm not going to feel great, but I want to do what I can to have a happy life. And it slowly transitioned to me not taking these crazy medical jumps to try to achieve a goal and me mourning things and me coming to terms with the idea of being infertile and me coming to terms with the idea of not having kids. And I still identify as kidless because I would like to be a mom. and I didn't choose not to be a mom, uh, but I'm slowly going towards kid-free. I love where my life is heading. I'm happier, stronger, better person than I was before endo. I have pretty cool friends. Like I wouldn't take any of it back, but it just is part of my story. So endo is always there from jump. It's made me sick. It still makes me sick. I am trying holistic approaches right now to feel better, to be able to function. I probably pretty close to needing another surgery yeah but I don't really want to make a dramatic choice right now because I'm still trying to figure out who I am before I start cutting myself open again which is such a sad thing that we have to consider
2: so your story is also just so powerful and like gets me every time too so if if you guys do not know Kaylee if you do not follow Kaylee you're missing out like I I know this is not my podcast I don't mean to hijack it No, (laughs) but I just like her story gets me every time and um
1: it's yeah. heartbreaking
2: and it's unfortunate, yeah. and she's awesome because of it.
1: oh okay, Lee, amazing. Thank you so Thank much. You. I actually have listened to it's crazy because, like, you were saying to me earlier before we started recording, I've heard I've listened to the episodes of your stories, but you know how mm-hmm. sometimes it's like you've not heard it well, like um, because I was listening to it in the car and now I'm listening to it again and tears are in my eyes. I'm like, yeah, how can one person go through so much, so much pain? And I'm really thankful, like I said to Betty earlier, for your courage that you can share this. And yeah, thank you so much. Because I don't know where I don't know where you get the courage where wow. you, you know, you're so strong. And um, I'm really grateful for you. And I know that through your podcast through your journey through your story someone somewhere will be encouraged and will learn um you know how to be just be regardless of you know it doesn't mean that you yeah. should not still want to be, you know, a mom, if you want to be, like, but it's, I think it's about acceptance, Um, which Mm -hmm. I know you're on the journey to acceptance, and I'm really grateful for you, and I'm thankful, and I'm, once again, I'm so sorry that you have to, you have had this experience, I'm sorry for all of us, like, why?
0: Yes, sorry for all of us, no, I appreciate that, and what I told B is, it's interesting, because when it comes to a chronic illness, and it comes to infertility, you tried so many things and you're so engulfed in it for so many years that every time you talk about it, the different information may come out because there's so many different fragments, right? And the story you share is the story for that time and the story for exactly. your life. And you would have talked to me a year and a half ago, I was still trying to figure out how to fix my body, which is what coined my ID name yeah. journey to fix my lady parts. I actually don't feel like I have to fix myself anymore. Now it's more yeah. of like accepting myself and figuring out what wellness and happiness is and
1: yeah
0: I share my story because I think people sharing their stories is the only reason I survived it to be honest with you I was yeah. so depressed I didn't want to do life I hurt and I was sad and there's nothing right in the world and wasn't there and then I meet people like Betsy who I'm like okay there's a different option in life and I'm going to work towards that
1: yeah and um when just to touch on what you said oh we <laughs> <little> do love <laughs> When you touched on on how you because of what your mom said to you, um, about you know the fact that you might have issues, I think that was mm-hmm. really a moment that almost like created trauma or pre-trauma or something in you where you I think that fear was always there. Like mm-hmm. oh my god, something is already wrong with me, even if it wasn't then and you know it had been playing on your mind from childhood and you know when it finally happened mm-hmm. it must have been heartbreaking that it actually happened or it is happening to me so um that must have also yeah. been tough but i'm really like it hurts me so much when because the statistics say that people with endometriosis 50% of them will struggle with infertility so mm-hmm. why is it that through your infertility journey No one could say this might be endo, you know, and I feel Mm -hmm. like we lose a lot of years, like things might have turned out differently, but because we lose 10, 15 years just trying to survive, trying to, you know, it's like, maybe the statistics would be even slightly better. But because we spent mm-hmm. so many years and we're all in our 30, like 34, 35, and you're like, wow, I'm almost 40 and I'm still here struggling with this. And now my quality of life has declined. And I just mm-hmm. think there's a big problem in in medicine with endometriosis and you know many of our um, gynecological conditions, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I totally agree. So,
2: yeah, it's so under researched, underfunded, yeah. um, known that. If somebody would have listened to me from the time I was eighteen, that I was going to the gynecologist regularly, where I'm like, "Hey, I have really bad periods. I am in debilitating pain. I'm vomiting every single month. Yeah. Like that is not a normal thing. No, it's not. Yeah, it's we're not. not taught to advocate for ourselves from a young age. We're taught
0: to, for better terms, shut up and take it. Like it's yeah. it's a period that's supposed to be bad. I." I think my mom also made it really difficult for me because it made me very solo focused on reproduction rather than listening to my body. Yeah. And yeah, even when I miscarried, I woke up and had signs of a miscarriage and went in that day. And I remember telling my OB at the time that like, number one, if I come back in a week and this isn't viable, I'm going to lose my mind because I've tried for four, five, six six years to have this baby. So Number one, you need to talk me through the process of the decisions I'm going to have to make now. But number two, I want to know why it's happening. post miscarrying, because I did it at home by myself, um, post miscarrying, I went back in and had to do a second round of a medication because I still had a ton of blood flow in my uterus, which probably was endo, not necessarily the the embryo still being there, the baby being there. But after that, I said, I want to know why this happened. You know, my mom had multiple miscarriages. My mom kind of me at 30. My mom had something wrong with her. She doesn't remember what it was, but she had a diagnosis, right? It was probably I don't know from what I've understood, and probably do and know, but I don't have her medical papers to know. And the pushback I got is, oh, it's your first miscarriage. It's okay. Um, sporadic and undefined miscarriages happen. So as long as you don't have two or three, we're not worried about it. At that point, I'm telling you, I have all these issues, I have a family history my body hurts. It took me years to get pregnant and you're just going to write me off.
2: Wow. You're it telling me,
0: it's, okay. it's okay that yeah. I lost a baby. Like it, it's, it's fine. It happened. happens as long as you don't do it multiple times. You're cool. And I was like, I, I there's, there's plenty of women in this world that have miscarried an outrageous amount of times. And my heart goes out to them and I'm in awe of their strength. I'm telling you right now, I'm not one of them. The one ruined me. Um, it, shaped a lot of my decisions on trying things uh, between that and failed adoptions. I just, my heart's broken, and for somebody to just minimize my situation and not figure it out, I mentioned, I went through dozens of doctors, and it was because every time I was like, "There's it's endo, it's adeno, it's PCOS, there's something wrong with me. What are you going to do to figure it out? And having to turn around and walk away because of the medical gaslighting is not something a woman should have to do on top of dealing with her body. It's, frankly
1: unfair exactly deep breath (laughs) all of us it's a lot join us in the next episode for part two of this conversation thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast don't forget to share rate and subscribe
0: If you'd like to share your story, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook, or send an email to info at notdefinedbyendo.com. Till next time, remember, you are not defined by endo.